every custodian, every bank, everyone will run their own validators. I think it will be those chains where like all the activity is happening. Sometimes you just have to see it like as a business as well. I think UX is the number one for adoption in general. I, I don't really enjoy dealing with private keys necessarily. And this is holding back a lot of people from, okay, use cases and capabilities of staking as a technology are vastly underexplored. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Bare Metal Podcast. This is Shiptico from RockwayX and I have here with me Mirko Schmiedl from Staking Rewards. Mirko, welcome. Perfect, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the show. So me being a newer guy in crypto, I'm always interested in origin stories. So uh, you guys must be one of the like more OG websites out there that are involved exclusively in staking. How do you guys you know, begin? Awesome. Yeah. So personally, I'm in crypto since early 2013, actually. Um, I've been like very fascinated with the Bitcoin and the whole crypto space and then also Ethereum coming up and been following the space for like, yeah, very, very closely. And then in 2017, there were like... Um, the big ICO boom and I invested in a lot of tokens and there were also a lot of tokens that you could stake already. Um, and I realized, Hey, like I had some tokens in my portfolio, which I hadn't staked. So I missed out on a lot of rewards there. And it was just natural for me to kind of look into like, yeah, like what can I stake? How can I stake? How much can I earn? And so on, but I couldn't find any information really. So I started creating just like a spreadsheet, putting all of these information together and then I hit up my brother and asked like, hey, let's build a website for this. Um, other people should also learn like how to do this because it was so like, so, so near to like w what I was doing. And I felt like, okay, there's probably a lot of people out there who have the same thing. Like they have those tokens and they don't know what they can do with it and that they can actually earn a passive income with it as well. Um, and then we started building out stake awards um, one by one. And for me, it was really interesting because it tied with like, yeah, staking was really interesting that like everyone could participate in like operating the network and everyone could run a node, um, which is really in the sense of like, yeah, true decentralization and self-sovereignty for everyone like to, yeah, validate the blocks um, of like a global decentralized permissionless network. Um, which hopefully like at some point, like, uh, one of the blockchains will be the home for like a global permissionless settlement currency, um, that can replace the U S dollar. Um, but I think it's a long way to go there, but I think that's the end goal for crypto. And that's what I'm really excited about and, um, where we want to support the space with staking rewards over the next years. That's cool. So <laughs> the original staking rewards is Mirko with the uh, Google Sheets version zero. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty scrappy actually. <laughs> the website was growing and growing. Like today, it's a it's a it's a big website. Like you guys attract a lot of traffic, uh, and uh, you guys have grown a lot, obviously. So can you talk about like where you guys are now with the with the system? Like what ecosystems do you even cover? Can you sort of summarize where the activity is for you guys? Awesome. Yeah. So we have around, I think 60 to 70 proof of stake networks on the site. And then we also have a couple of smart contract staking options like Aave and Curve and something like this, uh, where you can stake ERC20 tokens. And our idea is to track all stakeable tokens of the crypto space in the long term. Like we don't have everything yet, but we try to cover like the biggest ones um, and then one by one expand to more. Um, and we want to help people to get into staking and then we track a lot of information. Uh, we are plugged into like all of those blockchains directly and then we pull information from 
uh, their RPC endpoints or like uh, other pre-indexed data or like from block explorers and curate this, transform the data and make it available through our API, um, which is then served to the website and other like institutional clients um, like yeah, Bloomberg um, using the data to show on their terminal as well. Um, and then like some of the big exchanges also using it to analyze the staking market. Um, and in that sense, in general, our mission is basically to cover the end-to-end -end staking user flow um, by providing good information into the different passive income and staking opportunities for the user. Um, so yeah, if you have some tokens or planning to invest into crypto and want to understand, um, yeah, what kind of earning opportunities are there in crypto, um, then our website provides a good overview, um, having a lot of data and information combined um, to get people onboarded into staking. You guys also, so, so one thing is sort of bringing tokens on board, stakeable tokens and, and tracking those networks, but you guys also do some work with validators, right? Can you talk about, um, you know, how you guys due diligence validators and, and what sort of program do you have to, you know, somehow involve them in, in staking rewards. And then um, what proportion of validators are actually like sort of working with you guys in some capacity? Exactly. Yeah. So one of the biggest problems we saw from people entering the staking space um, was like, it's really hard to understand like which staking provider would be a good option for someone. Uh, so most people just end up with like, yeah, choosing the biggest providers or like the, the, the fanciest brand or something. Um, and we wanted to kind of just like raise the bar there and started to give everyone the chance to like prove that they follow best practices and like are really, um, yeah, uh, into it for the long term. Um, and we want to give our users who are coming to the side like um, kind of uh, a pre-filtered list of staking providers where we did our due diligence. Um, so we as like not doing any validation or staking ourselves as a third party. We are unbiased in doing these verifications. Um, and then we introduced the verified staking provider program um, where we basically currently have around 50 staking providers. Um, and we did like due, due diligence checks on them. Um, it's like a questionnaire of around 50 questions um, where we ask everything in regards to like business operations, um, in regards to the security setup um, of their nodes and also uh, in, in regards to reliability of like the actual performance from the past. Um, but then, uh, yeah, we get this information, uh, we fact check it where we can um, and then we give it uh, a score in the end. And then if it reaches like a certain threshold in the score, then they are deemed as verified. And then we have a rating from A to AAA um, showing our users like, Hey, uh, we did our checks here and these providers are like reliable and trustworthy. So you can stake with them and you can also be sure that those providers will still be around in a year's time because we ask questions like, yeah, do you have enough funding to sustain your operations for the coming months? And something like this, um, it's really hard for anyone to do proper due diligence for these type of questions. So we do an NDA with the staking providers so they can provide a little bit more information also what they're not uh, willing to share publicly. Um, so it's something that, uh, yeah, a lot of investors just wouldn't have any access to these types of information or like being able to like, okay, understand which staking providers are really trustworthy and, and reliable in the end, just from, um, yeah, seeing them on their website or something. Yeah. 
So guys, you said you you're, you guys have gone through about fifty uh, different providers that you have, like in some, you know, in some let's say privileged positions, because you've done the because you've done the DD. So like that would, in some sense, that's a a you guys are at the beginning here, right? I mean, it's it's a pretty small subset of the providers. There's still like sort of a lot more candidates to go through the to the through the onboarding or. Exactly. Or do you guys feel like it's yeah. To, uh, um, that's the thing, and like th that's why, like, also for anyone like who's running a validator or, or is a second provider, um, just get in touch with us. Um, I think we have, in total, in our staking Awards API, we have around twelve thousand staking provider entities um, for the whole blockchain space, not just um, Cosmos or like one chain. Um, and then around 250 of them, I think, have like a claimed profile on Stake Rewards. And then around 50 uh, where we already did the due diligence and actually verified them on the platform as well. Super interesting. And sort of if, if I, so that's, let's call this the supply side on the validators. What about the demand side? Like, how do you guys work on, you know, building traffic, actually attracting, you know, users to your website, because that's ultimately what the validators want, right? I mean, that's why they'll, they're sort of like list with you guys, because you can bring some of the traffic. Do you rely a lot on SEO? Do you do, I don't know, events? Do you do Twitter spaces? Like, how do you guys get the message out there? Yeah, it's, um, um, so we started out mainly with like SEO um, or like actually just like me posting uh, the website into random forums and stuff, um, but then also building out the SEO and everything. The original SEO. <laughs> the original SEO. Adding more like, links. Yeah. Um, yeah. Link building and stuff. Um, no, but it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of things. And um, mostly it's like, yeah, from like natural traffic and a lot of people come back. Um, it's like our user base are people who are into crypto and they don't, don't check the website like, uh, 10 times a day or something. Um, but they come back again and again, like when they make staking decisions, when they want to learn, um, about the certain network, how it works and like, which, which validators are there, which ones are verified. Um, and that's a yeah, common use case, not just like for, um, yeah, regular retail investors or something. Like we have a lot of asset managers and wealth managers that are like, um, basically, um, yeah, using funds from other people to invest, um, because staking is still fairly complicated, I would say. And then a lot of the, the big investors, like they don't have the capacity to research all of this and like really go deep into it. Um, so we actually identified that a lot of our users are like, um, yeah, asset managers and people who, uh, yeah, kind of custody funds from others, um, or like help other people to, yeah, set up their portfolios, like investment advisors and stuff like this as well. But okay, that's yeah. that's interesting. It sort of segues nicely into my next question, which is, I'm interested in in you know, it's or, or a lot of the the language around crypto now is like the next wave will be institutional adoption, and obviously, like in my mind, a, a key part of that is somehow institutions getting more into staking. Like, do you feel that institution money is already flowed? It's already flowing to staking, or it will flow to staking? Do you think there's sort of uh, what are you, are you expecting growth in this in the near term, mid term? Like, what's your take? I think there's a lot of money already flowing in, um, but there's even more money still held back um, because of unclear regulation and uncertainty around regulation. Um, so I think that's a that's a very big part where we are not nearly um, at the threshold of like yeah all the money like pouring in, um, but we've made like tremendous progress over the last years I think, um, and we see that as well that like um, all the big institutions are looking into staking as well. 
And I see a, a future where basically like every custodian, every bank, everyone will run their own validators and will, will be part of staking. Because if you hold crypto, then it's kind of a no brainer to do staking as well. And staking is particularly interesting for institutions um, because it's a very like uh, low risk yield, um, uh, like yeah, similar to bonds or something. And in that sense, yeah, it's it's not like a huge return as a retail investor. Yeah, like maybe you don't care about like two or three percent on your crypto when it can go up like um, even even more. Um, it's like very fluctuating in price. Um, but then for institutions, they're making like long term bets on like uh, certain ecosystems or certain tokens, and then uh, not earning these rewards um, would be kind of silly. It's a, it's a no brainer. Um, first to not get diluted and like to contribute to the network to leave as the well. Money on and, the table. Yeah. So when you say institutions, like we use this as a sort of opaque term, do you guys have insight into what kinds of institutions are are interested in staking? Like where where would we expect this? I'm like you know, is is it a, are these family offices? Are these existing VC funds? Are these you know holders of crypto for another reason? Do you guys have a like a mental model here or some sort of breakdown? Yeah, I mean, when I'm thinking about institutions, it's mainly about any sort of like asset managers that are like, yeah, holding funds, like holding large amounts of funds, either for other people um, or for themselves. I don't know, like thinking about like Fidelity Digital Assets or like BlackRock or like those types of companies. And I think all of them are actually looking into staking and starting to explore it. But it's still like a process because, yeah, they, they need to really understand the space first. So I don't think they are fully committed to it yet, but I know for a fact that all of them are looking into it and like actively researching the space. Yeah. So you're expecting asset managers to sort of be the next wave. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I could buy that. I don't have any insight into this, this, this part of the market myself. So that's why I was, if it's interested and the, let's flip this around, you know, given that it's these big players, uh, likely they're not going to want to, you know, do staking on all the 60 or 70 networks you guys index. The, the the demand is probably going to go to some major networks or tokens. Like, do you guys have a view there? I mean, obviously Ethereum is going to be always sort of like a key player. But is there like a set of tokens that you think uh, will, you know, experience growth or in staking? Yeah, I think it will be those chains um, where like all the activity is happening. So it's all about traction, I would say. Um, I don't think necessarily the best technology will win. Um, so I think it's more about, yeah, there needs to be traction um, and there need to be like real utility in those networks um, in order for them to be interesting to institutions and, and others. And it's also like, it's a branding thing, right? Um, I think most institutions, they, they know probably Bitcoin, um, they probably know Ethereum and then for a lot of them, it already stops there. Um, so it's also, yeah, um, sometimes it's not even that sophisticated. It's more like just a general kind of, yeah. Um, what do, what are people like familiar with in general? Um, so I think a lot will obviously go into like, yeah, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, but then there's a lot of other networks like, uh, Cosmos where there's also a lot of traction. Um, and I think, these will be kind of, yeah, the, the next networks that institutions will look into who are a little bit more uh, risk seeking, probably. What do you think about ecosystem like Solana? You know, it's somehow it's, it's, it's a lone player out there in the field with its own tech and its own infra. It's got, so, you know, their, their marketing is where very decentralized, high speed network, very, very cheap transactions. 
Is that convincing, you think, to institutional stakers? Is, do, you, do you think this will be one of the places that will experience adoption? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think Zolana will have another big run in the next bull run, um, and it will surprise a lot of people, I think, um, because they have a like a fundamentally like different approach to things. And um, what I think, wh what's one of the biggest barriers for like mainstream adoption in general is like having good UX, being able to like really access these systems, being able to access the network. And they seem to put a lot of emphasis on it. And I don't think Solana is there yet, but at least they, they really care about it. And other networks, um, I see that they, that they don't really care at all. Um, to be frank, and I don't want to like call out any, any other networks. Um, but there, there's a lot of them who like, okay, they, they have amazing technology and they're really, um, investing a lot into it, but sometimes you just have to see it like as a business as well. Um, it's like, yeah, it's about like, how do you, um, what, what's the go to market strategy? How do you actually get users? How do you uh, get adoption and traction for the network? And yeah, like for us also, like we, we're working with like 60 to 70 proof stake networks and we see these differences and it's quite interesting um, from the focus perspective. And I, I think Solana has a, has a good mix of that. They have, um, yeah, solid technology and they also really care about um, the go-to-market and they seem to have uh, a clear direction where to go as well. Um, so I think the Solana Foundation is pushing pushing forward um, a lot there and uh, people really appreciate that having a, a clear line um, and I think that's really admirable and um, sometimes it just helps like yeah it's a, a global uh, decentralized permissionless network um, but in the end it's also it's a business um, like we want to make this big we want to establish this in the industry um, so it's supposed to like self-sustain itself and generate revenue as well yeah so if we're, if we're going back to staking it, and so this was interesting, sort of looking at, you know, what you think are the major, you know, players in, in you know, staking increase. We, also, we already mentioned some barriers, like you mentioned um, regulatory clarity uh, as something that's sorely lacking and in why institutions might get nervous or, you know, even high net worth individuals. Do you think there are, other key barriers, uh, we discussed UX to some extent. I don't know if you think UX for staking now is like a blocker or if it just the UX isn't really good enough, we need to improve it. Or if you think like this, this UX right now needs to be improved or staking adoption isn't going to happen. Like what, what weight would you assign? I think UX is the number one for adoption in general. Um, if you look at it, and I know a lot of like very crypto sophisticated people, um, and even myself, like I, I don't really enjoy dealing with private keys necessarily. Um, and I don't know how you think about it, but for example, all of these like private key storage and you're having to like, um, store these private keys yourself. You are like in charge of your own security. I mean, it's great on one thing, but it's also sometimes it can be like a burden a little bit. Um, and this is holding back a lot of people from, okay, I don't feel comfortable managing my own private keys. Um, or even that's, on behalf of other people's funds, right? Yeah, that's, that's even more haunting, right? Um, <laughs> right yeah, if, yeah, if you're responsible there for other people's money as well, then it gets even, even more tricky. And um, I think that's a burden that um, shouldn't be there necessarily for everyone. Um, and it needs to be alleviated somehow um, without sacrificing decentralization too much. 
Um, Where so do you think the biggest problems are in the UX stack, actually? Because what we, you started right away from private keys, which means wallets, right? So custody as like one problem. Do you think like along the stack, do you think there are other sort of barriers for institutions to find their way to finally go and stake that token? Yeah, I think it's, yeah. Um, it starts with like, yeah, setting up a wallet because that, that's where everything starts. Like in order to like get some tokens, you need to set up a wallet first. Um, so I think th that's where it all starts. And then it starts with like, um, what can you do with these tokens? Um, how do you store them? How do you interact with the networks? Um, so that's the net next part of the UX stack. I think staking is, is a part of that. Um, and it needs to be seamless as well. Um, and yeah, I know for like some networks, it's like much more user friendly, but I don't think like staking necessarily is like, um, a big barrier for mainstream adoption there. Um, I think it's more the basics around, yeah, blockchain and, and crypto UX in general, like, yeah, storing the private keys and, um, interacting with the blockchain in general, which like, yeah, staking is a part of that. Um, but it is the, the interaction part, um, that needs to be more, more seamless and, um, yeah, easier to use for people. I guess lots of chains are trying to innovate around this, some more than others, Surpri perhaps surprisingly for some, for me at least, like it seems Ethereum has really accelerated like the rate of technical development since, um, I, I don't know, the unstaking became possible since the Chappelle upgrade. Like it feels like there's always new things in the pipe, now reducing transaction costs, new rollups, there's restaking. Do you think, um, sort of these additional possibilities of like restaking your funds uh, via, let's say, Eigenlayer and Ethereum or any of these, you know, like account abstraction, do you think these will affect the staking landscape uh, more? Like liquid staking is obviously like ha has been a massive player in Ethereum. Uh, but so, but that, that's already, let's, let's, I, I'm going to call that a mature sort of construction by now. Like that's an established workflow. There we go. Stakes on. Uh, you know, one of the liquid staking providers gets a staking token. You can use that. It gets a liquid staking token derivative. You can go use that somewhere. That's already tested. But now with all these changes happening, do you think that's going to change? Uh, you know, funds are going to shift out or there's going to be more restaking, native staking? Yeah, I think the use cases and capabilities of staking as a technology are vastly underexplored. So there's staking itself is like, it's kind of a guarantee um, where you have some funds and you you put them down as a as a security guarantee that you're going to do a certain work in the future probably. So mostly it's like validation. Um, so the validator guarantees to the network by putting down the stake that they will do this validation work for them. Um, and the work can be very different, I think. I don't think it needs to be only validation. There can be other things that validators or anyone else does um, in order to contribute to the network. Um, because in the end, like this validation is just contributing to the network and helping the network to, um, yeah, to sustain and um, process yeah, to process transactions and so on. Um, but there's probably all other things that the network will also need um, from people. So there, I think there will be other types of work. Um, and then there will be other types of risks that people want to take. And restaking is an interesting concept because you can basically decide for yourself, yeah, how much risk do you want to take? Um, if you like um, restake, then yeah, it's, it's increased risk, um, but you also get increased rewards. And this is where I would see the future is like, there will be like 
all of this will be productized and then there will be different baskets of, um, okay, how much risk does the user want to take? Um, so the more risk, the more reward you get. Optimally, like in an optimal scenario, so it's not always like this. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I would say that that's the future. And that's also where we as Stake Awards are kind of seeing the future and want to help people like finding the best staking opportunities for themselves according like to each individual's risk profile. Um, I believe there is like a perfect passive income earning opportunity um, according to everyone's risk reward like ratio or profile. And we want to help to, to provide this. And for the space in general, I think these are the opportunities which will arise over the next years um, with restaking and maybe other technologies as well that allow to kind of, yeah, um, be more flexible on creating these types of baskets. Um, I hear you. Um, it's, do you think also staking on smart contracts? I always thought it was a really interesting concept. Like you mentioned Curve or Aave. Do you think staking on smart contracts on like actual sort of projects uh, is, you know, do you think there'll be more of that or that these are, you know, sort of very specific use cases, which might not replicate? Yeah. So they're saying is like most smart contract staking is just like a way to kind of distribute funds to like a wider audience, almost like an airdrop or something. Um, so there's no real like technology behind it. And then it's kind of, yeah, I mean, there's no point like really to have a staking. Um, but then there are others like Aave, they actually introduce like a real staking model. So you, you put down Aave and then uh, it's like the Aave safety module um, where the funds are kind of, they can be slashed as well. Um, so if something happens to the Aave lending protocol, um, then those funds who are staked can get slashed up to 30% and, uh, like basically everyone so is using. So they're essentially put down as collateral. Yeah. You put uh, it down as collateral. And then if you're using the lending platform, you are insured by the amount of people who staked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the yeah, that's really that's interesting. interesting. So additional um, service. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think we will definitely see more of that where like staking will be actually an, an in, integral part of the network as well and will actually provide utility to the network as well and not just be a mechanism to distribute funds to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we have a, a venue for discussing all these cool things about staking, which uh, I think was organized for the first time last year, right? The staking summit. So super interested in hearing, you know, if you can tell us anything about the staking summit this year. So I know it's in Istanbul, right? I'm coming, I'll definitely be there. Uh, so what are you guys planning? Is it going to be as great as last year? Well, I hope so. Yeah, like we are really looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be a big plus. Um, we've planned it like last year, we only had like two or three months to plan it. Um, and this year we have already started planning it since beginning of the year. Um, and the biggest feedback we had from last year was like, yeah, why didn't you guys do it for two days? Um, so we did it for two days this year. Um, it was like, yeah, um, more, more topics. And we have a lot of workshops planned. Um, a lot of things we have, like, I think around 25 sponsors now around, yeah, 70 speakers. Then there will be around 800 attendees. Um, it's going to be oh, wow. a, much bigger this year. Yeah, uh, it's going to be an amazing venue, um, nice uh, five-star hotel, um, and yeah, just just a great place. I'm really looking forward to like yeah meeting the whole industry. And so much is happening in staking; it's insane. Like all of these uh, liquid staking protocols um, that are coming out on Ethereum, and then um, combining like 
the different ecosystem. I think that's really interesting about the summit. Um, not just kind of like sometimes these validator communities are also siloed up in their own ecosystems. Um, and then we have one place where, where they come to, where like so the Solana validators meet like the Cosmos validators. And like that, that's really fascinating for me um, because there's always different perspectives. And I, I believe also the proof of stake networks can learn from each other um, because they um, are all building similar technology um, and they all deal with the same problems. And I think there, there's a lot of, um, yeah, exchange that, that can happen there. And uh, that's what I'm really fascinated about, like bringing those different uh, ecosystems together all under the theme of, of staking um, and just kind of discussing and talking about like, where does proof of stake go next? Like, where do we go as an industry? Uh, what's important? Um, what are the challenges? Um, because I don't think there need to be any like tribalism in, in crypto. We all work towards the same goals anyway. Um, and that that's what really excites me about the staking summit, just being able to yeah have the people from all those different ecosystems coming together um, and sharing knowledge and uh, sharing opportunities and discussing, um, yeah, what, what can be done and how can we advance as an industry and how can everyone be part of that and, uh, yeah, contribute to it as well. Sounds like it's going to be a blast just like last year. I'm really, really looking forward to it. So I guess I'll see you in Istanbul at the latest. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, right. and yeah, for everyone listening, please come to the second summer as well. We'd love to see you there. Perfect. Well, thanks very much for coming on, Mirko. This was a, this was a blast. Thanks for taking us through the staking world uh, in the whirlwind tour. Perfect. Thanks to a lot. Again. Hope to see you again soon. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye.